when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. A nationwide weather warning for snow and ice came into effect this morning and it is lasting at least until the weekend. Obviously, motors have been warned there will be widespread frosts and icy stretches, particularly on un- untreated roads. Uh, I met Aaron saying it's going to be particularly cold this week, scattered wintry showers, and there will be some accumulation of snow expected. There is also the possibility of a more significant spell of sleet and snow on Thursday, and this status yellow weather warning came into effect at six o'clock this morning and it remains in place until 6pm next Saturday. Met Aaron say that there will be showers of hail sneet and snow today heaviest in the southwest, the west and the north and uh, temperatures today going no higher than 5 degrees but then overnight tonight they're going to go to minus 3 degrees so be careful when you're out and about especially on the roads uh, tomorrow morning. We welcome you along to Tuesday's edition of the programme with John Paul taking your calls at 1850 and before uh, we take a look at what's coming up on the programme this morning just a couple of updates. Firstly an issue that we dealt with last Friday on the programme when we spoke with City Councillor Kieran McCarthy and this was to do with a the Seamus Murphy dog trough which we were led to believe and which Councillor Kieran McCarthy was led to believe had been stolen. It had just disappeared. It had been on, on Patrick Street in Cork, I think for 60 odd years at this stage and suddenly it had disappeared and people couldn't work out where it was gone and we were all given out saying if somebody had stolen this and what were they going to do with it because it was a limestone uh, structure. It turns out and this broke over the weekend that between Garda Press Office and Council officials they have noted that the Seamus Murphy dog trough has been found and will be returned to its location in the coming days. According to Kieran McCarthy on Twitter, very little information is available. But the inquiries are to continue. But it looks like it wasn't stolen. It looks like somewhere along the line, somebody knew something and it got taken away. I don't know for what purposes, maybe for cleaning purposes. I don't know. But it turns out it has been located and that's the, the good news. Now, I have no date as to when it is to be put back in place on Patrick Street but at least we know it hasn't been stolen and I think that certainly is uh, some good good news. And thanks to a gentleman uh, by the name of Michael for a lovely text uh, this morning. Uh, I mentioned that Michael had lost his wallet 
in the North Cork area and somebody listening to the programme uh, realised they had found the wallet they tended it into a shop or something so they got made contact with Michael and the wallet has been returned safely to Michael and he sent in a lovely text to say thank you and your text is, is made me smile Michael so thank you for the text and I'm just thrilled and delighted that you got your wallet back and well done to that honest lady who found it and handed it in immediately and that's all been sorted out. Now coming up on the programme this morning an online campaign to remove the Road Safety Authority's television and radio because we, we play it here on the radio as well. It's a radio ad which is featuring Noel Clancy. Noel Clancy from Kilworth lost his gorgeous wife and uh, daughter just before Christmas. It's over three years ago now, wasn't it? Three years ago last Christmas. This uh, dreadful, dreadful tragedy befell the Clancy family. And of course, Noel was campaigning against learner unaccompanied learner drivers and the amendment Clancy went through just before uh, Christmas and is supposed to coincide with the amendment Clancy. This very powerful television ad and radio ad, I have to say, it's one of those ads that stops you in your tracks. It has the same effect, I think, as you know that ad of the little boy that was killed by the drunk driver and that family very bravely went on camera and told their story and it has the paramedics who dealt with the accident on the ad and it has the the nurse talking about never wanting again to have to lift a dead baby into the arms of a grieving mother and that's a really really powerful ad that they've been playing quite a lot on on TV and it always gets played in the run up to Christmas and I have a feeling that the Noel Clancy ad because it's a very powerful ad as well. Well we've got a group of the person behind this campaign who wants it removed because he feels that it's targeting learner drivers and making all learner drivers not look like safe drivers I think is the theory behind why they they want the ad removed so there's an online campaign now when I checked it yesterday it had gone over to 11,000 signatures I might get John Paul to check again as to how many people have signed uh, it um, before we do the ad which we'll be, we'll be doing in a couple of our, the interview which we'll be doing in a couple of minutes but we'll throw it out to see how do others feel? Do they feel that the Noel Clancy ad that you know this is the reality? This is what happened. While it is upsetting to watch, and I certainly found it very upsetting the first time I watched it. It is a powerful, powerful campaign. And do we need to, in order to try to get the message across to people, do we need to make these? television ads and radio ads do we need to make them as strong and as powerful as possible already some commentary coming in on this Uh, Jay says hi Patricia I think that ad should be pulled Uh, I know that the Clancy family lost a mother and a daughter but we have to remember there was another girl and family who were also living with the memory of the accident Uh, it was at the end of the day an awful accident there's no talk about road conditions says uh, Jay and another texter says on the campaign on Learn the Drive I'm not saying all learner drivers are bad drivers, quite the opposite. I'm saying they do need an experienced head with them to show the danger and to slow them down. We have to remember that speed kills and our roads cannot cater for speed merchants. It might be the young person's own life that will be spared. So think again, slow down. Uh, A gentleman that I know who's involved with the recovery of vehicles once said that he would have crash cars stored in his yard. 
And on some occasions, friends of the dead person would call to take a look at the wreck at his garage. He said they would be crying, they would be grief stricken, they would be in an awful state looking at what was left of the car where their loved one or their friend had been killed. But then they get straight back into their car and they blacken the road with rubber. So nothing learned from those uh, fatalities. Uh, So obviously somebody who's in favour of keeping that particular ad on TV and on radio. Your thoughts and uh, comments uh, welcomed 1853. 33103. We're also going to speak with primary school principals. They held a conference at the back end of last week. Now they discussed a variety of different issues that are affecting primary schools at the moment but the one that really caught our, our eye was the effect of mobile phones and the effect of social media and the effect that it's having on our primary school children because unfortunately more and more primary school children are actually getting their own smartphones and they have access them to the internet and they have access to social uh, media. So it's interesting to talk with principals as to the effect they're seeing and their teachers are seeing on a day-to-day basis inside in the classroom. And we will all remember Blennerville National School outside Tralee last year who we spoke with and we got a huge reaction to the interview. They were the first school that introduced a ban on mobile phones and social media not just in school but outside school as well. Now obviously they had to get all the parents involved and I remember speaking with the principal and saying you know how did you sell it to the parents and he said the parents were thrilled when they all got called in. They were the the fifth and sixth class students because it would mainly even though younger children in primary school now are starting their own their own mobile phone but they introduced this total ban both at school and at home and it had a great effect on these students and I remember we did a follow up with the principal of that school and he said he couldn't get over the number of other schools that had contacted him to say how did you do it how did you put in place and other schools in, were obviously interested to get involved uh, as well so schools know that there is a problem with mobile phones and the principals are trying to do something about it we're going to chat with the raise the roof Uh, This is a national campaign. I know they held a protest outside Leinster House about October of last year. This is to do with homelessness. This is trying to get the ordinary people, the good, decent, ordinary people of Ireland, trying to get all of us together to send a message to the government to say, we know we have a homeless crisis. We are ashamed of the homeless crisis we have in this country. We need to do something about it. They say officially the figure for homelessness is 10,000, even though a lot of people would say that that figure is a lot higher because there's a lot of hidden homelessness, people that we don't know about that don't get calculated into the official figure. The 10,000 are the people that are living in hotels and and bed and breakfast and in emergency accommodation and then 4,000 children living in emergency accommodation and the effect that it is having actually where we have the the primary principals on as well. It'll be good to chat to them about the effect they're seeing in the schools on children who are living in emergency accommodation and living in hotels and B&Bs. The effect it must have on those children when they come to uh, school. So we'll hear about the Raise the Roof campaign because they're holding a conference uh, tomorrow. And then there's a campaign that we have discovered which is targeting Cadbury's chocolate. Don't we all love a bar of chocolate? If you've bought a bar of chocolate recently, it was something that I wasn't really on my radar until I saw this campaign. I said, why haven't I thought about this before? If you've opened a bar of chocolate, particularly a bar of Cadbury's chocolate is where the focus of this campaign is, they replaced their wrapper. Now, seemingly 10 years ago, they replaced their wrapper and it's plastic. It's now, you when you rip open your bar of chocolate, it's, it's single-use plastic. And we know we're drowning in plastic. We've been doing a lot of, certainly on this programme, 
program. It's one of my bug, one of my pet hates at the moment is the amount of plastic that we're using. And I'm co- constantly questioning myself on single use plastic and trying to do my bit not to use, you know, single use plastic that just gets dumped. I mean, one of the big things I've started myself is I, I refuse point blank to get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea if I'm out somewhere in a single use cup. I try and always have, you know, a a reusable cup, a keep cup in my car that I can use if I'm on a journey and I need to go get a cup of coffee. And even when I was on holidays lately in Australia and anyone who's been to Melbourne, which is where I was based in Australia, will know they love their coffees. I mean, I have never seen a city to be so in love with coffees to the point that when people are sitting at home, they will go out to get coffee that they'll and then bring it back into their home. It's when most Melbournians, the first thing they will do in the morning, somebody in the house will go and get the coffee run, which to my boggles that you would do that but they do they're so in love uh, with their coffees and I made a conscious decision that uh, I would not partake in a cup of coffee that was going to come in, in a throwaway away cup and, and I stuck to that for the duration of a holiday and felt quite proud about it so I really am I, I've, I've a big bugbear about single use plastic and then lo and behold I, I see every bar of chocolate that I've been buying is, is comes in a piece of plastic that just ends up in the bin and then is the plastic recyclable and we know chocolate primarily is aimed at children. We need to protect this planet for the future generations of children. So Cadbury's need to wake up and smell the roses here and do something. They either need to revert back to the way it used to be. Remember there used to be a little bit of foil on it, a little bit of tin foil on it, and then there was a piece of paper around it. That's what they need to do. They need to go back to basics uh, on this. So we'll chat with the lady behind the campaign to try to get Cadbury's to wake up and change their plastic packaging. And then it is Tuesday. So Joe Heffernan will join us and we are talking about addictive personalities on the programme uh, today. So that and more between now and one o'clock today. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And a huge reaction already to the Noel Clancy ad both on TV and on radio the Road Safety Authority uh, ad which we're going to be talking about in just a moment and talking about the uh, gentleman behind the online campaign to try to get the Road Safety Authority to remove the ad from both radio and uh, TV and, and I'm assuming because it's also online I'm assuming that they if they, wa- if they want to remove from radio and TV they want to remove online as well some of your commentary coming in Margaret says Patricia on the Noel Clancy ad my reaction when I hear it I simply turn the radio off that man needs counselling not to be exploited my sympathy is with the young girl who was unfortunate enough to be involved in that awful collision and who has to listen to that ad every day to compound her misery that's from uh, Margaret Uh, Tim says uh, Noel Clancy's ad should be removed that girl has suffered enough we all make mistakes Hi Patricia, says a texter. When I'm watching Noel Clancy's ad, the one thing that really gets to me is the way he says on the ad, I will never see my wife and daughter again. Yeah, it is. A, yeah, listen, it is a really really hard-hitting ad. John and Clonakilty says on that particular radio and television ad, Patricia, remember the other person has to be hurting too. Well, another texter says, was Noel Clancy ever a learner driver? That girl never set out to do any harm that uh, morning. And some of your WhatsApps in um, Esther says, good morning, Patricia, regarding the Noel Clancy ad... 
Um, I really do not like that ad. The sooner it is scrapped, uh, the better. Why is there no reference to the prior condition of the wall where the accident happened, says um, Esther. Someone else saying I don't like the ad uh, either. Okay. Um, And John Paul got a couple of calls in. Helen in Kinsale says I feel the ad should stay. It highlights what can happen and it should stay on TV to hit home with how a person's life can be utterly utterly changed uh, following an accident. And Jerry in Middleton, the law is in place now so people just have to accept it. What is it with Irish people who cannot accept a law when it comes in? Laws are there for a uh, reason. And John in Middleton, I feel very, very sorry for the Clancy family, but I also feel sorry for the other girl who was involved. She must live with the consequences. There was a number of factors to that accident, but I feel the ad is very personal and some things mentioned on the ad should not be for the whole of Ireland to hear. I find the ad appalling. I feel the other ad with the drink driving is different as drink driving is not excusable. And this was a different situation. If the road conditions were different, then the accident would have been just an accident and not a fatal one. There's nothing about the council's responsibility uh, for what happened. Okay, that's just a sample of some of the calls and the texts that we're getting in on this particular issue. 1850-333-103. Let me take a break and let me come back chatting with the man who is responsible for putting this online campaign on to have the ad removed. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 Laura Gelga RC103 Tarubi Walsh er grinna Denmarkuk is far in Erin August today. Is minic a vien she er clarica sport eggsula er on Delavish. Is a improved markup done train ali Willie Mullins. Vuig she brish is gavila Rossi couple. Vuig she grada markup crave na herin ga or deg. But a on Markuk Tussig, a Vela Cheltenham, ain or dig, either Gavila Sakahar, August Gavila Sashakdeg. Gertiuk a Aaron Kaidla, then Vela Cheltenham, Gavila Sakdeg, August V er Tark Amak Asan Vela. Rugic Ruby Walsh, a Gunte Kildara, Savlin Ne, Deg Shakdone. Hussig Shay, a Markic Kapel, a Shaknina Dish. But Felidora a Freshen agus vúig sé bán ille éirin frí ochtaig lena manscol in nei deig no cashe. Tá sé postaile Gillian agus cahir in ín aige. Le bluir gréilga is misir Jack Arosta o gréilscol Hamas Davish Mala. Cicéad as a three Kirkig. Now, unfortunately, the gentleman who is behind the online campaign, which is trying to get the Noel Clancy RSA ad removed from both TV and radio. Unfortunately, his phone is ringing out. He had agreed uh, to do the interview yesterday and I don't know what's happened, but his phone is just ringing out. But I can just tell you that the campaign online and the campaign online is to remove the current television ad as it is discriminating learner drivers and also young drivers. The ad makes it look as if all learner drivers should be judged as dangerous people on the road when in fact they are not. The ad 
puts a stigma on learner drivers and it will make insurance premiums rise again and uh, again. And they they do say that they have sympathy for the Clancy family, but they feel that the ad should be taken down. And we checked just a couple of minutes ago and 11,702 people have signed this particular online campaign. They're hoping to get 15,000 signatures and then I'm assuming when they get 15,000 signatures the petition then will be sent to the Road Safety Authority and they also plan to send it to every TD in the country in the hope that the Road Safety Authority will remove the ad from both radio, television and online. But as I say, the we're getting a huge amount of reaction to this and the majority, I have to say, the majority of the reaction are from people who are saying remove the ad, that it is disturbing, it shouldn't be on TV. Um, let me just give you some some more text, texts that are coming in hot and heavy at the moment. Uh, no Clancy is blaming that girl for everything. Why didn't he go after the council? The bridge was broken. That was the main reason for the death of his family as well as the weather. That poor girl has suffered uh, enough. And a lot of people going down on that particular line, uh, like Mary says, hi Patricia, the ad should not be on. That girl did not go out to kill anyone on that particular day. I would love to know if Noel Clancy's children were accompanied when they were learning to drive. Well, I can stop you in your text dead in your track there, Mary, because I put that question to Noel Clancy before and he said never, ever were any of his children allowed to drive unaccompanied and he even has one daughter now who is learning to drive and it can be a huge inconvenience to him but he never ever lets her drive uh, unaccompanied. Anyway, uh, Mary says he's not the only one to have lost somebody through a road accident and then someone else called Margaret is picking up Noel Clancy on the fact what upsets her most about the ad is the fact that Noel Clancy says I will never see my wife and daughter again. Margaret is taking umbrage to that because um, he can't be religious is what Margaret is saying she lost her husband just before Christmas and even though she's heartbroken she knows she will see her husband again because he's in heaven and she will meet him in uh, heaven anyway John O'Donovan uh, joins me good morning to you John morning Patricia how are you I, I'm very well happy new year to you um, you're, you're on you think this ad should stay well, 100% I cannot believe that there's an individual or individuals actually have to start the campaign to remove this ad. I cannot believe that there's 11,000 people now have signed up to remove this ad. Personally, I don't think the ad will be removed. I think Shane Ross uh, will be fully uh, behind leaving it uh, as it is. Now, every time I see that ad, now, with the greatest respect to the young lady, as you rightly has said, people, she didn't set out that day to do any harm to anyone, but it did happen, Patricia. There was a mother and a daughter did and as regards the person saying that he, never, he can't be religious because he said he'd never see them again, he's talking about this life, obviously. Obviously, yeah. the man has faith, I said. But when I see that head, I see a haunted individual. I see, I, my heart goes out to that man. You can imagine what he came across that morning. We all know the ins and outs of it, Patricia. He didn't even realise at the time, because the car was upside down, that his, it was the car, the family car, with his wife and child inside in it. It's absolutely horrific. And for anyone to start a campaign to remove that ad, those 11,000 people would want to go down and knock at the man's door, sit in the kitchen that you see where he's sitting alone out there, and talk to that man. And I guarantee you this, when they would leave that house, they would have a different take on it. But we are getting, I have to say, John, a huge number of uh, calls 
the text message machine is going off the Richter scale and, and a load of WhatsApps coming in. And the bulk of what people are saying, that the reason people are... Now, a lot of people are finding the, the, the ad very upsetting and that's the reason behind the ad. It should be upsetting. Course, it's it's yes, a hard-hitting yes. ad. But a lot of people are highlighting the fact of what Susan Gleeson has to live with for the rest of her life, that she never went out that day uh, to kill anyone and for her and her family to be faced with this ad and hearing the ad on the radio and seeing it on the TV, that it should be, for that reason, it should be removed well, well, because again, it's, it's upsetting to the other family. Yeah, well, again, with uh, respect to that, to that young child, as I said, girl, she didn't set out to do harm that day, but it did happen. And there was a learner driver involved. And you have to look at the bigger picture, Patricia, right? It's about learner drivers with no experience going out on the road. It's simple as that. It was always just so, even when I was learning. It, this, this idea that people have in their head, no, Patricia, that there's only the last couple of months or couple of weeks that the Gardaí uh, have the port of seized cars or that the Gardaí are cracking down on learner drivers. When I was learning, going way back 30 years ago there, I was stopped by the guards and I had a provision licence and the guard done me for it. Like, that go was ahead, always the go there, there was a bit of a blind eye turned to it for, for many years and then when you went in a second provisional you were able to drive. That was, was, was like, on a first provisional. The, the, the guards did turn the blind eye. But then again, you so, do you, so, so are you very much in favour of the Clancy Amendment that you know your car can be impounded, you, you will be fined, the owner of the car will be fined? You have to because, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I mean, we see the carnage in Donegal there. We see it right around the country there. I mean, it's the same. Should we take off the, the ad? So with the small little lad, Keen Tracy there, that is a, an extremely upsetting ad looking at that mother there. And she, she'll never see her child again. I mean, should we take that ad off? These ads are constructed and put together for one reason only, is to shock, to shock people and to get them thinking about their behaviour on the road. And again, as I said, I'll finish on this, for anyone to start a campaign for to remove this, they'd want to go down and talk to that man, that individual, and see the hurt and the terror and the misfortune and the misery and the depression that he's going through. OK, stay there. Uh, Mary is in Rathcool. Good morning, Mary. You, you're saying you want the ad removed. I want the ad removed. And I, I, I'm talking about it in my own house with I don't know how long. Remove that bloody ad. It upsets me. I'm a pioneer. I have seven in family. They all never went on the road without a learner driver with them. They all have full licence now. But get it up. If that man John thinks for one second they are dealing with maybe drunk drivers, they might look at the ad and they might say, oh my God, there is no drunk driver looking at the ad. There is no mother like me looking at the ad. It upsets us. But that's and what, just, that's, that's the is, whole... With, and with just, agree- John, one with- second, John, don't bother you now. There is two families involved. We know that, Right? Yeah. There's the man that has lost his family. My heart bleeds for him because I have lost my husband, not to drink driving or nothing else. And there's people having pity for me. But there's another family, and please remember them. Of because, course, you're quite, you're quite right. There is another yes. family. But, the, the but John, John the, just remember one this. One second, please. The, yep. difference in, the difference in the other family is they haven't lost an individual. This man has lost his wife and his daughter. Yes, and I know what that's like. But what I want to say to you, John, is, remember, I lost a brother to suicide. Don't you drive one of this family, the other family, to suicide. Because, mark my words, that child is out there listening to you this morning. Probably the other man is listening to you. And you, you, I, can you, see, I can see a door opening. 
You mentioned suicide there as well. Should we yeah. not show should we not show any ads so about suicide to try and prevent it either? Because we might upset somebody. Yes, I know that. And you're upsetting a second family this morning. But the and Road Safety child. Authority will look on this, uh, Mary, as if it's if somebody who is considering going out driving without yes. an accompanied somebody's deciding to yes. take the keys and going to go I for a drive, that. that they may just watch that ad and it may just stop them. It might stop one or two, Patricia, but it won't stop everyone because they're not watching it. Like me, they're turning it off. They're absolutely disgusted and broken-hearted for the men. We are all broken-hearted And is that, that is that why you switch it off? Because it's such a hard-hitting ad, it's Mary. It's hard-hitting, yeah. and I know it was not... And what about the ad with the little boy who was killed by the drunk driver? Do you switch I know that? that? That ad hurts me too, but yeah. at least it was a drunk driver. This girl made a mistake. She wasn't drunk. There was nothing else wrong. She made one you're, you're, tiny she's, mistake. She's missing the bigger picture. The I'm not missing it, John. You, you paint the picture for it's, me. It's all it? about London drivers who have no yes, experience on the road. That is the message of the yeah. ad. And look it at is. the end result. Yeah. Look at the I know end that. result. I know, I know, John, what you're saying. But most of the London drivers that are on the road on a company are doing it behind their parents' back. This child didn't. Oh, I don't, I'm, not going, I'm not going to rehash the case all over all over again yeah, okay yeah. alright but listen Mary thank you for that um, and I'll John and John okay and John yeah. um, uh, you, you're sticking to your guns John you do not want to remove do you think that the RSA would, when they reach the target of 15,000 do you think the RSA will bow to it will, will, will I, bow to no, pressure no, my own personal opinion I don't think they should and I don't think they will Okay. All right. Listen, thank you for that, uh, John. uh, John O'Donovan uh, joining us in the city. And I can see a huge amount of uh, more comments uh, coming in, which we will get through uh, during the course of the programme. Let me just go to um, to see if I can just quickly glance through a few of them. Um, Hi, I would like to see the ad stay, says a texter. I fully support Noel uh, Clancy. Uh, here's John O'Donovan jumping again on the bandwagon, says somebody else. Uh, Hi, Patricia, that poor girl. Uh, Susan has suffered enough, God almighty. I think Noel Clancy needs uh, counselling. Mary says it is upsetting for that poor girl every day and her family when they have to watch and listen to the ad. Somebody else says the ad for the drink driving where the little boy's story is told. I'm OK with that one, but not with uh, this one. Okay, that's just some of the texts uh, coming in. 1850 333 103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. And I will come back to this campaign to try to remove the RSA ad, which some feel are discriminating against young learner drivers. I will come back to it but I want to move to a different topic because last week the Irish Primary Principals Network held its annual conference. Many issues were discussed including the problems encountered as a result of smartphone use by primary school pupils. Joining me from the Board of Directors of the IPPN I'm joined by Brian uh, O'Doherty. Good morning to you Brian. Good morning Patricia. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Well you're welcome to the programme. Do the majority of primary schools not allow mobile phone use during school hours? Absolutely. Um, there would be, in terms of the statistics we have from our survey, um, 
we have nearly 99% of schools have adopted positions where either they, they ban phones outright uh, from the school premises or indeed uh, they allow the children to have the schools uh, with them during the course of the school day, but they must be switched off while on school grounds. Um, and indeed, our, our school would fall into the latter category there. We, we developed our policy back in, in, in 2010. So you can bring uh, the phone, have it in your yeah. school bag, but it's got to be off. Indeed. Uh, you know, and well, we took soundings from parents and, and the senior girls at that stage uh, because we have girls only in our senior classes. And they uh, made the point that you know, some, some of them were travelling independently to and from school and parents would like to have the wherewithal to be able to contact them during those journeys. And indeed, that their students and other children would have the, the, the op- opportunity to be able to contact them should they need to. So um, I would have to say, you know, the policy is strictly enforced and, and we get great uh, parental support in relation to the implementation of the policy. Um, and we have very rare uh, <laughs> problems with it uh, once or twice, uh, you know, an inadvertent uh, text notification or something like that. Will and, ping and, in the classroom indeed, somebody's forgot yes, to turn it off. Indeed, yes. would, the major- would the majority of older children in primary school own a mobile phone? Absolutely, yes, they would. What are we talking, uh, fifth and sixth class? Fifth and sixth class in the main, but uh, you may have noticed an ESRI study uh, where it alluded to the fact that 40% of children uh, own phones by the age of nine. So, we're, you, you know, you're heading down into third and fourth class at that stage. We don't tend to see that in school. I, I suppose that the, the bigger issue for us from a school's perspective is the usage that is taking place outside yeah. of school and how that's impinging on, on, on us in Yeah, school. OK. Talk to me about that, the type of mm. problems that you, your members are encountering. Well, you, you, you've two issues, I suppose. One would be the sort of unhelpful or negative interactions that children can have um, and the consequential impact that has on school in terms of the, the damage to relationships. Um, so what, what would generally happen is in situations where somebody has, hasn't played nicely with somebody else online, uh, that we would engage in a, in a process of restorative practice. Um, to repair those relationships and we have a responsibility to both parties in that regard um, to the, the child who's hurt to, to make sure that they feel supported that they understand uh, that this isn't acceptable and also to the child who sent the message to, to educate them and to allow them to feel uh, you know, some empathy towards uh, the person to whom they sent the message and to, and, and to show them what is appropriate in terms of usage. So we are, we're seeing that and that happens, you know, occasionally. Uh, and certainly from our school's point of view, we get excellent support from parents when, when we're dealing with that. Probably the, the, the subtler impact that we're seeing, though, in schools is the impact mobile phone usage is having on the way the children present um, in terms of their emotional presentation. Um, and, you know, we're seeing increasing levels of negative self-image, um, feelings of exclusion, because you'll be aware of these apps where they can see what their friends are doing yeah. and they may not be part of the group. Yeah. Um, so they feel somewhat excluded um, and a sense of, you know, there's a sense of disconnectedness that that seems to have been fostered in, in our, our young people, which is ironic given the levels of connectivity that they have. So um, those all those things seem to be uh, contributing uh, factors to the the, the issue of an increasing number of children presenting in primary school with anxiety or uh, um, uh, and and issues related to that. Technology is great, but there really is a mm. downside to it, isn't mm-hmm. there? Well, look, you know, we as principals and, and teachers, we're, we're parents too, so we know the challenges that there are. 
uh, in terms of regulating um, screen times and, and, and re- regulating and ensuring our children are safe online. But uh, And indeed at schools, we're very proactive in organising professional inputs um, for the classes for, for fifth and sixth, just around um, responsible usage, keep staying safe online, cyber safety, all of those things. And, and you know, they are impactful. And, and the, certainly in, in the case of our girls, they'd be able to tell you exactly what they should or shouldn't do in certain circumstances. But when they're online, perhaps late at night, perhaps unsupervised, they're still continuing to make poor choices and, and that's the bigger issue that needs to be dealt with. We, sp- we spoke with Blennerville National School last mm. year. They introduced the, the ban yeah. on, on mobile phone and mm. social media outside of, of mm-hmm. school, obviously with full support uh, of the parents. Indeed. Did many schools follow that lead? No, I, 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 I don't have statistics on that, Patricia. I do know of another school that has, has engaged in a process of... of um, smartphone detox, uh, in other words, a period of time where the children, with, again, full consent of the parents and cooperation of the parents, to, to, to look at a period of time where they would not have access to the phones over a period of weeks and to see what impact that had in terms of their mood, their presentation in school, you know, their um, engagement with other activities. Uh, and that seems to have been a, a very positive experience and something that might be worth exploring as well. But But at the end of the day, no matter what position of school takes on this, there really is no substitute for parents being fully aware of yeah. who, who their, their children are interacting with, how they're interacting and what they're accessing when they're online. Okay, and uh, just on a different topic because it's an issue, we're going to be addressing homelessness uh, in Mm. the next hour with the Raise the Roof uh, campaign. Uh, This also came up at your conference last week. Schools are becoming safe havens for the 4,000 odd homeless children. Is that tough on teachers trying to support these children and educate them at the same time? Well, I think it's more uh, taking account of the particular challenges that children and homelessness face. Um, We would say uh, approximately 27% of our schools have children attending who are homeless. And and as you so rightly said, Patricia, school is a refuge for those children. In in, in some cases, maybe the only uh, bit of consistency in their lives. And and parents' commitment to school and the recognition of the importance of school in their children's lives is evidenced by the fact that sometimes they can be placed in emergency accommodation a significant distance away from the school, but they're making huge efforts to get their children back to school, to to that school, you know, so that consistency of approach can take place. I suppose, what are we seeing? You know, there is a significant detrimental impact on the physical and mental well-being of children in homelessness, mainly, I would imagine, due to experiences of isolation. It's certainly impacting in terms of their self-esteem. We're seeing low self-esteem. And indeed, just plain and utter exhaustion because sleep patterns can be compromised. They might be up early to get to school, you know, having an earlier journey than they may already had. And if the whole family are in one room, that can impact on sleep patterns as well, as you know. Um, the other thing, it, it obviously, it will impact on is on their, uh, either their attendance at school or indeed their engagement with and development during the course of the school day in, in their engagement with the curriculum. So um, I think what teachers are, are very skilled at doing is, is meeting the children where they find them in terms of their needs and responding to those needs as sensitively and uh, as discreetly as possible. But, you know, we are seeing it's an increasing issue. And, and one of the things that will concern us, say, in, in situations whereby significant numbers of children may have uh, started to attend a particular school in, in circumstances of direct provision, um, schools may find themselves with a, a, a very disadvantaged or increased 
disadvantaged population very quickly in their school and may not have adequate resources to be able to deal with that. So there needs to be some account taken of that. Yeah, absolutely. Of making sure absolutely. We, take, we, we meet these children and meet their needs as best we can. OK, listen, I enjoyed our chat, Brian. Thank you for that and thanks for joining thanks us for this pleasure. morning. Good morning no to problem. you, Brian O'Doherty, who is on the Board of Directors of the Irish Primary Principals Network. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I've invited uh, John Paul to, jo- to join me in the studio. Good morning to John Paul. Good morning. And this is uh, just to try to synopsize and update people on the reaction we have been receiving to this call to remove the current ad by the Road Safety Authority made by uh, Noel Clancy. Uh, I would say hand on heart, John Paul, it's a long time since we've had this level of reaction to to, to one topic. particular topic yeah, yeah. a lot of people have views on this um, mixed views everybody has their own opinion uh, on that particular advert I would say 50-50 to what people uh, think should happen with this particular advert Advert. I've spoken to people who've been listening to us online in Dublin um, one of them was Michael who said he's complained already to the RSA about that particular advert uh, while other people have uh, and feel that the advert is good there's the shock factor and that we need that especially for younger drivers and learner drivers to show what can happen if things go wrong so there is a 50-50 with people's views on that regarding the advert then we've had calls from people one of them for example is Pat who uh, is a truck driver and he was involved in a fatal accident a number of years ago a tragic accident when a, a father was killed and he was involved in a particular accident and to this day it affects him so he can see it from the other side and on, he, on the aftermath of being he lives with it every single day and that I have to say is where a lot of our calls and texts and whatsapps are people looking at it from Susan Gleeson's the young learner driver who was driving from her point of view and her family's point of view and people feeling she suffered enough yeah, and that when these type of conversations are taking place, either in someone's kitchen table or in someone's living room or whatever, people need to think of the other side and of that particular family because they are living every day with that consequence that they are living of and they're hearing of what is happening and they're seeing that particular advert as well. So there is for the family, a lot of people out there who feel for them this morning and it's it's a very sensitive issue. Uh, and, and it's, it's all in the one area because it's in our area it's in yeah. the one and area and, but and I'm very people do feel that. for that particular family yeah. as well this morning and I can see people texting who say they know both sides they know both families and, and people having sympathies uh, for both sides but I'm also seeing some of the texts coming in where people saying well the huge sympathy for the young woman who never set out to kill anyone that day at the end of the day she still has her life we have a family who have lost a wife a mother and a, a, a daughter and a sister yeah, and, and and there is there is that as well. I mean, there there is people who feel obviously people feel for both families, and people are feeling that the Clancy's have gone through a lot with losing and losing two members of their family, uh, while still you have the Gleasons who are in a situation they're watching all this unfold. And, you know, they've obviously are involved in, in everything as well, but they're seeing this unfolding and then they're seeing the adverts. And we'll live with so it for the rest of So they're living with that every. So where there's no loss there, they're still 
in, in their minds they are yeah. living with this forever so there's, it there's, is there's no very winners. No, no there, there is, is no, no winners. winners now you in, in case people think why, why haven't we got Noel Clancy uh, on we did put a call through to Noel Clancy you spoke with Noel yesterday to tell him we would be doing this just today. spoke with him that we, we, we will be uh, d- doing this I, I rang him yesterday to see if you wish to join us uh, and speak about this or even get a reaction following following our conversation on this anyhow uh, we did speak to him yesterday afternoon and uh, a few issues we spoke about first of all he did say that he was questioning why a lot of these issues were not raised when he was trying to get the amendment in place because I know a lot of the calls this morning are from people who are in a situation like one lady from Charnival who rang me who says that her daughter is in college she wants to work during the summer her husband's very busy working in agriculture he won't be available to drive her to various places during the summer months Uh, the particular person in question doesn't drive herself uh, so her daughter won't be able to work as much as she would like to over summer to earn money to pay for the college accommodation and pay for college fees and all of that so apply for your license there well she's that's but it's the driving on your own situation an L driver she won't her father won't be able to accompany her all the time because he's going to be working on the farm and the mother can't drive yeah, but let her apply for a license ASAP. Oh, well, that's, yeah, well, yeah. she has applied and she, she's doing that, but that's the, the her, her, they're looking from the learner driver's point Trying of view. Trying to get the experience. That she won't again. be able to get the experience because okay. she won't have that uh, full-time driver with her, a full license driver with her. But the, again, these are the issues he's saying that, why weren't they not erased before the amendment was in place and, and trying to get in place? He felt there was very little coverage from the media beforehand on the issues that has been raised now since the advert came on. He feels since the advert campaign came on and the advert made TV, everybody is talking about it now. Why weren't those issues raised and why didn't speak, people speak before the amendment uh, was put in place and he did campaign the big thing is he campaigned to bring in this law uh, affecting learner drivers and now that has been achieved so for him on that it, the law is in and the people basically have to accept the law the law is in place now his job is done is, is kind of what, is yeah, what, the, 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 what he campaigned for and set out to do yeah. has been done it's been achieved and the law is in place and he feels people have to now obey that law that is there you you can't cherry pick the law in other words the, Which, the law is and, out there and of course because of the Clancy Amendment it enables Gardaí to prosecute the owner of the car driven by the unaccompanied learner driver it also they can impound the car the car owner can face a fine of a thousand uh, euro and also then um, have to pay to get it uh, released and the release fee for a vehicle is 125 you were for the first day and 35 for every subsequent day thereafter. Okay, thank you for that. I can thank still you. see the phone lines hopping. There's thank you, John Paul. Yeah, okay, you. so uh, while John Paul is going back, I'll just, uh, I want to try and uh, and I always appreciate when people take time to send in texts and uh, WhatsApps uh, to us, uh, but a lot of them are making the same point. So I'm just going to try and synopsize and just go through some of the texts and WhatsApps that have come in. But as, as I say, a lot of them are just repeating the same thing. Someone says, for example, the ad is dreadful, a dreadful situation that that uh, man, Mr Clancy, finds himself in. But there are accidents in every walk of life and you can't punish everyone. It's not going to bring anyone back. All it's doing is causing so much hardship for so many other uh, families. Someone else says the amendment was put in place because of a young driver's actions and perhaps she and her family could do an ad to show the devastation equally on her life and their life and what they now have to uh, live with, see it from the other side because there's many other people suffering uh, because of what happened. 
What difference, someone else says, what difference would a company driver have made in this accident? The other car occupants were going to go over the fence into the water-filled drain anyway. That girl is suffering enough without the ad. You know, a lot of people are saying that it's because of the conditions on that day and what would have been just a bad accident wouldn't necessarily have been a fatal accident if conditions uh, were different, if the field hadn't been flooded and if the fence had been uh, put in uh, place. Uh, Patricia, could you please ask John O'Donovan who was on with you who sat in with him when he was learning to drive or even yourself Patricia it's a very sad accident but it could have been an older driver just as well Patricia the learner drivers are safe for driving when learning to drive the very minute they pass their test that is when many of them go mad says uh, Mary and then someone else, there was no mention of the protective wall that wasn't in place. Uh, no young person watches TV. I've drove for 20 safe years and a provisional licence that the message there, the, the message from the TV ad is not going to get through to uh, people. And John says, I presume the people who did a few wheelies where the accident happened were not exactly elderly drivers, says John, who I'm assuming is somebody who's in favour of the ad. Dennis says, Patricia, I'm listening to people who say they feel sorry for the learner driver. She should have known the legal position of driving a car unaccompanied and as for her having suffered enough there are two people in pine boxes in a hole in the ground and she has the rest of her life to uh, live. Kind regards that is from uh, Dennis. And a number of people also are starting to talk about the dreadful accident that happened in uh, Donegal, including this texture. My interpretation of the RTE film of the Donegal accident is of a car landing on its roof, having come off a higher road in which case, having seen a similar car roof crumble after being rolled onto its roof by a tractor, the occupants, RIP, would have very little hope of surviving. Crash barriers need to be put up in similar roadsides. My wife was lucky. A barrier was on the Dunmanway to McCroom Road on a bend. There had been slurry on the road which caused the car to uh, slide. We need more uh, barriers. And just a final text that ad should be taken off. It has taken too far. It has it's been taken too far. That young girl must live with her actions every day of her life. Okay, that's just a synopsis of some of the many many uh, texts we have read down through them all. And I equally can see that there is a similar number coming in by way of WhatsApp. And if we get a chance, we'll we'll take a look and, and um, synopsize some of those for you as well. But thank you to everybody. Everybody has a view on what is. There's no winners, as I said to John Paul. There is no winners for the Clancy family and there's no winners uh, from the Gleeson uh, family. But that online uh, petition, when they get to 15,000 signatures, the aim is that it'll be sent to every TD as well as to the RSA. But I don't know if the RSA, even on receipt of 15,000 signatures, I don't know whether they will um, take remove the ad or not. We will keep you updated. OK, and the weather, just on snow, by the way. I saw a couple of people in the last hour. My apologies, I didn't get to you before. About half past ten, somebody was on to say, snow and mad in Bandon. And someone else says, snowing on the League side of Bandon. That was about half past ten this morning. And just there after eleven, at ten past eleven, saying, saying there's a snow shower in Clonakilty at the moment. So there is a band of snow. But in fairness, that that is in the weather forecast that there is going to be like a band of snow and and wintry showers crossing. 
the country and with it of course it is very very cold indeed so wrap up warm 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Costell Ireland they're looking to recruit technicians and engineers it's for both their Mallow and Abbeyfield plant Cronin Electrical they're looking for second third and fourth year electrical apprentices while a food prep operative is required for waterfall farms knife skills and previous experience would be an advantage and a driver with a full clean B licence wonderful mornings and evenings Monday to Friday that's in the Butterfront Charleville area you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 our housing conference will be held tomorrow. It's been organised by the Raise the Roof housing campaign to talk about the initiative and what they hope to achieve. I'm joined by uh, Sheila Noonan who is President of the Irish Congress of uh, Trade Unions. Good morning to you Sheila. Good morning. Uh, You're welcome to the programme. I suppose firstly start by telling me a little bit about this platform Raise the Roof. Who's involved and when was it set up? Raise the Roof uh, was set up last year. It's a kind of a broad coalition of parties who are very concerned about the constant housing and homeless crisis. So it involves trade unions, it involves a lot of the agencies working with the homeless, it involves members of political parties, and it involves the National Women's Council of Ireland and students, uh, all of the parties that are, you know, directly affected by the the current housing situation. So last year, um, uh, particularly in October, there was a very successful rally and event outside Dáil Éireann, um, and it coincided with a motion, a motion been passed by the Dáil, all the political parties with the exception of the, um, the government party calling uh, for a right to housing, calling for public housing and calling to, for measures to address that. So tomorrow is the next stage in that we're having a conference to kind of uh, bring people together again and to launch the activities that we want to do this year. Look at the, look at the figures again, which are pretty appalling. Uh, look at actions, including some regional rallies, one which will be coming to Cork in around the month of uh, March or April, and to look particularly at a petition around the legal right to housing. So it's it's uh, everybody working very closely together to apply pressure on government to really uh, shift its policy and do something a bit more um, proactive in, in relation to the, the scandal who, that is the crisis. Who will address the conference tomorrow? Mel Reynolds, who is an architect, uh, who is very much um, a kind of a, an authority and an expert on, on, on a lot of the housing area. Dr Michelle Norris, who will be uh, talking to us around the legal aspects of the uh, the. Um, looking at a legal right to housing and there will also be there'll be contributions from the trade union side and there'll be contributions on the floor so it's an opportunity I think very much sorry Tanya Ward very important as well tomorrow would be Tanya Ward from the Children's Rights Alliance who will be I think we were all very shocked last week to hear that figure about the 800 plus children from Temple Street that were discharged with no home address Shocking Uh, Yeah absolutely and then there will be um, Fergus Finley from Homes for Good um, John O'Connor from the housing agency Sheena Cahill for students so 
it's it's really people it's good are very, mix. It's good it's mix it's yeah, and it's, it's all yeah. aspects of homelessness has been covered. It's interesting that you just mentioned schools because in the last hour I happened to have somebody on from the Irish Primary Principals Network and we were discussing a different issue and I mentioned that you were coming on the program and and I was I was speaking uh, to this principal with regard to schools um, almost becoming safe haven for the four thousand homeless children uh, and the effect that it's having on their education. This is just at primary level. It's, it's really shocking. I mean, here we are now in January 2019. And uh, I mean, if you take the national figures of 10,000, and they're only the ones we know of, of 3,000 of those are children. Increasingly, and there was a lot of focus at their conference on Friday, and <clears throat> we've raised it ourselves, and indeed the Children's Rights Alliance, in the INTO we've raised it, and in the Children's Rights Alliance, it's really, and schools are doing superb work, but can you imagine the sensitivity where children don't particularly want to disclose, where schools are trying to be sensitive, where families are often moving from one hotel to the other, but trying to keep the school as the hub of, of, of the stability in their life. Um, and, and we're now talking about children, not just one or two months, six months, a year, and some up to two years who are, who are living in a tiny hotel room, which all of us would be just deeply shocked to find ourselves in that situation. So... I think it's, I'm really glad, you know, that you're having the interview. It remains a crisis. I think the worry is we're ne- it's nearly becoming normalised. You know, when we hear the homeless figures, we're, you know, are we being shocked anymore? When we're hearing the numbers of figures in hotels, are we being shocked? You know, when we hear the daily figures of, and you know, the overcrowding going on in families that are keeping sons and daughters and married sons and daughter, as you know, when we know young professionals can't buy houses, but but it's almost like as if we've we're nearly saying, you know, there's nothing that can be done about this. It's normalised, so we really need to up our game, keep the pressure on government. That's the purpose of this conference. And uh, at the heart of this is a demand for, for more public housing, because yeah. I think if, if that is sorted out in the centre, I think that allows, that releases a lot of the, uh, the difficulties that are around this. But what, but what are possible solutions? I mean, it, is it all down to the government accessing the funding that's required to build these houses? Well, they're constantly kind of saying money isn't a problem. Yeah. But certainly, uh, we do need to see a much more significant programme of public housing construction. The figures kind of annually would tell you that we need about twenty-five to 30,000 new houses per annum, but we're, we're getting somewhere in the region of eight to 10,000 units. So, uh, you know, they really have to, have to kind of get at the public building programme. People often talk back to the 70s and, you know, when we had the last kind of big recessionary period but there was huge uh, big public housing developments um, done at the time. So what's happening instead is so you're getting a lot of money shifting to what's called housing assistant payments to kind of keep people in private rented accommodation but it's not a long-term solution and it's a lot of money going into it. Um, you know, so there needs to be action on rents as well because even though they have the kind of the rent the, the rent pressure, the, the zones, it's not always working. But, but at the heart of it definitely significant programme of housing and I think the difficulty for the local authorities and obviously Cork has gone through its um, its transition in terms of the council areas and that it's about a lot of those resources were stripped out during the recession so mm-hmm. a lot of the expertise in the council areas you know right through from planning to, to, to building and construction so for councils to take that on absolutely they will need huge resources but that is the way to do it and that's absolutely needed and that's what we will be saying tomorrow and that's been a consistent message including in the motion to the doll you know it's 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 just it's it's just urgent you know tense by the banks of the lee and on cold um 
November and cold January 2019, people sleeping in doorways. It's shocking. Yeah. And there's such a waste of money as well. I mean, we were uh, highlighting um, a story of a young mother with uh, two children who's in a hotel here in North Cork at €1,000 a week. That's €52,000. Yeah. yeah, that's right. A year. Crazy money. And I think that's kind of the, 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 the concern that so the money the money uh, the, the money on hotel accommodation I think you're right is averaging around uh, you know fifty thousand a year. Now if you if you take a number of those together, what that would mean in terms of providing a single unit of accommodation, it should be achievable. The other piece of money, a lot of which is what I referred to the HAP payment, housing assistant payment, of course a necessary payment to um to, to support somebody living in private rented accommodation is a top up, but but it's effectively and and I'm not I'm not attacking you know we need private landlords, but instead of the longer term money going into infrastructure and building houses uh, that can be made available at affordable um, at affordable rents to people, that's where it has to go. So while while we're waiting for that, you're right, all these major amounts of money are going going into um, situations that really have people trapped in them. I mean, the hotel accommodation piece, and we've seen a lot of, you know, radio and television documentaries on that. It's just a horrendous experience for people. I, um, I, I just, I, I, whenever I stay in a hotel, I think since the housing crisis has kicked off, whenever I'm in a hotel, I always sit there and think, how could you raise a family in a room this size? And while we love going and spending a night or two in a hotel, you couldn't, just looking around the room, you're thinking, where would you put anything? And, and and I think that's what the consultant from Temple Street was talking about, concerns about this is going to have an absolute impact on children's development. It's going to, you know, there are, there are going to be scars uh, from from the both psychological and, and, and not just physical scars in terms of, you know, your experience of living in that where you're all the time being told to keep quiet. You know, you have no room to move around, you have no privacy, you have no ability to invite friends to play all the normal things that you would do in your normal childhood so you know the, the urge it, it, it cannot there is the roof i suppose is trying to put a, put the big umbrella on over all of the agencies bring everybody together we have some extremely good active members of the trade union movement in cork who've been doing superb work uh, on this area in terms of reporting and that um, and they, I mean the sterling work done by the housing agencies there, I suppose there's no disagreement in the country that this is a crisis but certainly the evidence of the policies over the last few years are showing that they're nowhere near uh, reaching the targets or, or, or catching up so that there's going to be generations, you know, just kind of, as I say, the, the invisible ones caught at home, the visible ones on the street, the children in the hotels, that, that's storing up, clearly going to store up trouble for the future. Yeah, Liz wants to know about this figure that's quoted of 10,000 people homeless. Uh, surely that figure is an underestimate of the actual figure. Well, I think Liz is probably right about that um, because I think, uh, you know, how, how those are calculated. I mean, it, it doesn't kind of refer to the invisible homelessness of people who might be moving from family to family or situation. So I think it is a conservative figure which should be all the more alarming and the, the figure stays stubbornly high. It's not coming down at all. And that, and that the real worry of Raise the Roof is it's becoming normalised. You know, this is, it's, of course, it's a legacy of the recession, but it should, it should be the single biggest priority for the government is to put a roof, 
you know, put, put roofs over people's head and to accelerate uh, right across all the um, local authority areas in the large urban areas uh, to accelerate a public housing programme. It, it's completely long past uh, needed. OK, and how can people get involved in your campaign, Sheila? Well, I, I think they can they can get involved in the campaign generally through through their, you know, if, through their local organisations, but citizens generally. Um, they, they raise the roof, uh, contacted through the Irish Congress of Trade Unions and uh, certainly when we come to Cork through the local affiliate trade unions and through the local housing organisations, we will be hoping people will support rallies and demonstrations just to really keep the pressure on to see that if we are talking this time next year that we can give a bit of hope to people that there is realistically uh, an acceleration of housing construction going on. Okay, we'll leave it there, Sheila. No doubt we'll talk again. Thank you for that and good luck with the conference tomorrow. Thanks Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Sheila Noonan, who is the president of the Irish Congress of Trade Union, part of that group called Raise the Roof, uh, a major housing campaign. Let me take a look at some of your WhatsApps uh, coming in again. Uh, we're still on the, still getting a lot of reaction on the Noel Clancy RSA TV ad. Um, is there a name on this? There isn't. Hi, Patricia. Why not ban learner drivers altogether until they have passed their test? Just let them get more lessons of twelve until they until they actually pass. Would it not be cheaper to take extra lessons than to pay high insurance costs? By the way, what parent? has lots of time to be driving around with them as the accompanied driver. Thanking you, says a texter. Another WhatsApp. Hi, Patricia. I think the ad is terrible. It should be removed. It's discriminating against learner drivers. It's getting harder to ensure learner drivers. I have two learner drivers in the house. I'm a qualified driver. I never, by the way, let them drive on their own. I do feel so, so sorry for Mr Clancy, but please give learner drivers a break. Another text uh, WhatsApper says, have the council any role to blame in the debts? There was no barriers near that uh, ditch. Why can't the, someone else says, why can't the ad be done by somebody else except except for a grieving husband and father and just be about learner drivers in general, not just this one case. No one is learning anything when targeting just one person who surely is suffering. Fran says, I also think the ad should be removed. I wonder if the RSA will make an ad with regard to speed killing and the four young lads who died this week in Donegal. I think not yet. Yet, yes, make an ad highlighting the dangers and the offence of learner drivers unaccompanied, but leave the personalisation out of it, please, says Fran. Mossy says, hi Trish, while the crash in Donegal has nothing to do with me, it has everything to do with me and the locality around us. Here were young lads driving fast. Um, and now we don't know what the, the full conditions um, or the full circumstances of this particular crash. But anyway, Mossy says, in my humble opinion, the engine sizes in cars need to be reduced to a maximum 100 kilometres per hour and maybe 120 kilometres per hour at most. The motor industry will not alter cars. Uh, something needs to be done. Tom in Mallow says, yes, Patricia, I think the ad should go. And would it be fairer to blame the driver in Donegal for all of the lives that were lost this week? Would the other families want to blame them? I think not. I wouldn't want to uh, anyway, says uh, Tom. 
Another Texas says is a generation of older drivers who never ever took a test. A lot of people are dangerous on our roads regardless of age. It's unfair to discriminate against young people by targeting them all with the same brush. We're capable, we're all capable of making the mistakes while driving. Road safety awareness should be for all uh, drivers. John says, I wonder, would the ad be more bearable if there was an acknowledgement in the ad that there was a young woman who also has to live with the consequences? My main issue with the ad is that it seems to vilify learner drivers rather than highlighting that they are at a stage when they need guidance to drive safely. I think the ad should be revised to achieve a better balance, says uh, John. And Claire says, listening to John O'Donovan, who spoke to us in the last hour on this particular issue, he's putting this so well. Well said, John. Well said. And Catherine says, sorry, Patricia, I'm actually turning the sign down on the TV when this ad came on. He is not the only person to have lost a family member through an accident. Think about the girl who was uh, driving. So he has to make him and on and on and on and on those texts go. Thank you to everybody who's taken time out to interact with us today. John Paul is taking calls. Phone lines have been very busy, by the way. So don't forget you can WhatsApp or text us. You can also email Patricia at c103.ie. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. Ellie O'Byrne is a freelance journalist and media lecturer here in Cork. And she's written to Cadbury's to ask them to change the packaging on their chocolate bars and go back to what it once was, which was eco-friendly packaging. And Ellie O'Byrne joins me with more on this. Good morning to you, Ellie. Good morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm very well. This is a prime example of single-use plastic because you open the chocolate uh, and the wrapper ends up in the bin. Talk me through how Cadbury's went from paper to plastic packaging. Absolutely, yes. I'd be very interested to hear what your listeners feel about this because it just seems like such a no-brainer to me. I mean, we're we're living in this era where we're, you know, there's the blue planet effect and we're all starting to wake up to the devastating impact that single-use plastics in particular are having our, on our environment. And anyone who goes out walking, anyone who enjoys nature or who cycles or who spends time on the seashore will just see that our environment is just absolutely full of single-use plastics now. And we're really going to have to do something about it. So there's a, a growing awareness of that. And then you have a huge company like Cadbury's who net, I think, three billion per year. And uh, 10 years ago, they made this incredible decision to uh, dispense with over 100 years worth of tradition. I mean, Cadbury's invented the dairy milk bar. They're a very iconic brand. And uh, they always packaged in, first of all, just in paper and then in a layer of foil under the paper. And that's what we all remember from childhood, Mm. isn't it? And it's uh, it's and, it's and ten, ten years ago. Yeah, they switched to single use plastic. I actually because I hadn't I, until I saw your campaign, and then I realised, oh my goodness, it is plastic. I I initially thought the chocolate bar was still the same in the paper mm-hmm. with the foil, and then and I've started looking around shops, and it's incredible the amount of single use plastic on all of the chocolate bars. 
Yeah, it seems to be virtually impossible to just go into a shop and buy yourself a little sweet treat without plastic. And, and it's, it seems so uh, retrograde. It seems like such a backward step. This is something our grandparents used to enjoy. And I think it's something that future generations, you know, when, when you really think about it, a company like Cadbury's markets to children a lot. They sell a lot of products to children and they're willing to, to take the money from children, but they're not willing to invest in their future by making sure that they're not uh, in in an environment that's free of single-use plastic. And I just think that if people put enough pressure on, uh, so my campaign is asking people to actually drop them a line, actually send an email into their customer care line and say that you'd prefer to have uh, the old packaging back. And I think that would make a huge difference. Is the current wrapper, can you recycle it? No, no. Uh, you can't. At the moment, it's completely unrecyclable. But, Patricia, I do have to say that recycling is... is uh, people are also becoming aware of what a scam the recycling industry actually is. I mean, last year, China stopped taking our Irish uh, recycling waste, which was, you know, largely being burnt on open fires, to be quite honest. So it's a question of out of sight, out of mind. Globally, of the plastics that have been produced since the 1950s, just uh, just over 9% have ever been recycled. So the recycling oh, industry really isn't the answer here. The answer here is to switch the tap off at source. Somebody said to me on Twitter, because I've been, I've been doing a lot of tweeting about this, somebody said, um, if your bath was overflowing, would you get out a mop and start mopping the floor or would you switch You'd off switch the tap? switch it off. Yeah. And we need to get these companies to switch off the tap. And s- sometimes the solutions are, you know, can be challenging. There's a lot of... Um, bioplastics or, you know, different types of these people trying to grow things out of algae that could provide us with something like cling film, all of these kind of things. But in some cases, it's very simple for the company to take this step. And in this case, this is just turning back the clock 10 years. That's all they have to do to get rid of all of that single-use plastic from our environment. Do I take it there's a cost involved that the plastic packaging is cheaper? Um, that that's what they have told me. I think from the responses, I've been in email communication with them um, all of this week, and I'm going to extend this campaign into next week as well. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think what I can take from it is that as their supply chains grow, because of course Cadbury is not owned by Cadbury anymore. It's owned by one of the big seven. So it's owned by Mondelez International. So it was bought, I can't remember exactly when it was bought, but it was bought up by this huge corporation. So as the supply chains get longer, obviously they don't want any spoilage because that interferes with their profits. And they so they say this. Their, uh, what they wrote to me was that uh, their their top priority is to make sure that their customer gets the product in in good quality, you know, so that it's, there, there's no spoilage. So I can see that. I mean, I can see that there are reasons why. But you see, the thing is, is that a durable packaging is then durable. That's the whole point. I mean, plastic lives for at least 400 years mm. in our environment, you know. So, yeah, so I've been very disappointed by uh, Cadbury's responses. I've just been getting the standard type of PR thing that I'm sure you're quite familiar with yourself, just lots of bumps and lots of things about they've committed to making their their packaging recyclable by 2025. Recyclable does not mean recycled. Uh, so it, that's really just nothing but a PR campaign. Uh, so I have to say I'm quite disappointed with the response. But I'm very delighted uh, with the response from 
members of the public. Yeah, I, well, I, well, I think it's become it's not quite the buzz, but I mean, every, I mean, we're we are drowning in plastics. People are starting to wake up to what are we doing to this wonderful planet on which we live, and what are we leaving behind for future generations. Yes, and I think the very important thing to remember here is that, uh, you know, there are loads of wonderful people doing things like beach cleans or, you know, very dedicatedly rinsing out all their recycling and making sure they separate things and, you know, people talking about litter and all of these things and people trying to go zero waste. While all of these measures are fantastic, we can't, as individuals, we can't make a dent in the activities of these big companies. They have, they're going to have to clean up their act. Look at Coca-Cola. They produce over one billion pieces of virgin plastic, so it isn't even coming from a recycled source, per year. That's going into our seas. We can't pick it up. With all the goodwill in the world, we can't clean up Coca-Cola's waste anymore. And we can't clean up, clean up Cadbury's waste anymore either. They sell almost a million dairy milks around the world a day. That's only one line. So that's almost a million pieces just of, of single-use plastic from one of their products per day around the world. And they are, as you say, a profit-making company, If even if it is more expensive to go back to the old way of packaging. Suck it up, Cadbury's, you can afford to. Absolutely, they can afford to. With the types of profits that those companies make, they can afford to take a tiny little hit and start showing their customers that they're doing the right thing. Someone says, is it, is it just Cadbury's or is it all other makers of chocolate that use the plastic packaging? Well, um, yes, there are there are lots of, of different companies that are um, uh, uh, similarly packaged. You know, Nestle switched over, so you know things like your Kit Kit Kats and you know those types of things would have also been packaged in paper and foil before. The the reason why I'm targeting Cadbury is because I've launched this campaign called the the Plastic Plastic Letters Project, and what I do with that is I personally target one company at a time and I ask them to make one small change. So I you know it is a much larger problem but I think that um by by addressing a letter to a particular organization and making sure that you're getting that message across just to them I feel that that's a better way for me to raise awareness and for me to raise awareness in the company that their customers don't want this anymore than just kind of giving out about the whole lot. It is true that there are loads of other companies that also make really bad, really poor packaging choices for the environment. And I am going to go after them all, but I'm going to have to do it one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. OK, so at the moment, you want us uh, all to email Cadbury's. Get on to Cadbury's. Yes. Yes, if you go on, um, I don't know if you can put that on your social media or something, but I have a Twitter account and I have the Cadbury's um email address listed there at the moment and I also have a blog a a website so if people google the plastic letters project they should find me and uh, similarly it should uh, pop up um, on Twitter as well and what I do is I even make a template letter that people can copy each week because I know that people are very time poor but if they feel that this is important rather than signing one petition it's better to actually cram the inbox of their customer services departments with things that require a response because that's hitting those companies in the pocket that's making them actually take an action themselves so I'm asking people to drop Cadbury's a line 
you can do that under your own steam or you can use the template email that I sent on. And I'm also posting the responses I'm getting as I interact with well the company as well. Well done. Well done. And your blog again is called The Plastic Letters Project. That's correct. OK. Good luck with it, Ellie. I no doubt we'll speak again. But in the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Okay, bye bye, bye bye. Uh, Ellie O'Byrne there with her campaign to get Cadbury's to go back to their eco-friendly packaging. Now, I've had a WhatsApp in asking me if I can give a quick mention to this and I'm too glad to do it. It's a cardiac first responder community course. It's going to start on Sunday the 17th of February. So giving you advance notice on this in uh, T.O. T.O. Park in Labamalaga. The course will prepare people for life-threatening emergencies in the community. The course will cover how to perform CPR, the safe use of audio external defibrillators, how to recognise and treat choking, how to recognise and treat a heart attack, how recognition and treatment of a stroke, how to place a person in the recovery position. And the course, I'm told, is PHECC approved. There you go. And on completion, a cert is issued. Now, pre-booking is essential and that's the reason we're giving it a mention today but it does start on Sunday the 17th of February in Teo Park in Labamalago. You can contact Jared if you're interested in taking part on 087 29152950 You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. James Imbrury picking up on our piece on homelessness and this Raise the Roof campaign and this big conference that's going to be held uh, tomorrow and it's going to lead to protests and they want to get people out on the streets including they're hoping to hold one here in Cork in March and we get details of that we will bring it to you. James Imbrury says we have so many in Leinster House that are landlords so of course they're not interested in bringing in these new rules or regulations to deal with the homeless uh, situation because it will take money from private landlords and many of them are private landlords. It's the mindset of those in Leinster House that needs to be changed, says James in Brewery. We were talking about plastic packaging and single-use packaging and in particular that campaign by uh, Ellie O'Byrne, a journalist here, freelance journalist here in Cork who is targeting Cadbury's chocolate. Stephen says, and you asked Patricia, what are we doing to this lovely planet? Well, it brought to mind a line from Chief Seattle's famous speech in 1854. It seems he saw it coming even then. He said at the time, the earth is precious to him and to harm it is to heap contempt on its creator. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, Thanks for that. That's from Stephen in County Kerry. And a WhatsApper says, uh, really give a huge respect for the Plastics Letter Project that you spoke about in the last hour. I definitely will join in. Just on a side note, my grocer happens to be Fields and Skibbereen. They now have a bin in place where you can put your plastic waste from purchases. At least it's a start. Thanking you. Yes, some of the supermarkets are doing that so you don't have to bring the plastic home with you. Particularly the soft plastic that I've always been putting into my recycling bin, believing it could be recycled and then only last year discovered it can't be recycled and that really frustrates me. So now I'm trying to do my bit. I'm trying to buy items that doesn't have the soft plastic on it so that I don't end up with having to put it into my landfill my landfill bin uh, which I hate to do. Okay, some more of your texts coming in particularly on this um 
that's a lengthy I'll leave that one for a sec because that's a rather long WhatsApp that I just need to proofread first let me go to some of your texts that have come in again reacting to the Clancy Law and in particular to the ad I think more than the amendment itself I think a majority of people not everyone but the majority of people are in favour of stricter rules and regulations to make our roads safer but it's the ad that seems to be disturbing people the Dan says the law should be changed until we get rid of the waiting time to take a driving test why won't, don't we have more test centres like Middleton for Moy Mitchellstown and all, all and the other large towns around the county says Dan I know John Paul is working on that I don't know if it's confirmed yet we're hoping to do something tomorrow on that to try to lessen the time that people have to wait in order to take their driving test because it was one of the points when John Paul was talking about somebody had rang in about their daughter and you know they're getting a summer job and there's nobody there to accompany the the young person when she wants to drive to and from the job that she's going and if she can't drive to and from she won't be able to get the job and I flippantly I suppose said well let her take her driving test but that's all well and good if you can get a driving test within the space of time that you need it there are delays at some of our test centres so it is I know an issue that we've pencilled in certainly to take a look at tomorrow Jardine says I know I know a family that lost four members in a car accident and they asked the judge on the day in court not to sentence the driver stating that to live with this is a life sentence in itself that's from Geraldine in uh, Mitchellstown. Morning Patricia 10 people killed on our roads in as many days how much alcohol was involved or does anybody actually know well actually on that obviously there's the pictures in the paper today are of the four young fellas the four young lads in Donegal and all their happy smiling faces and so full of life and their whole their whole life ahead of them and you know the big bad beautiful world out there that they were going to live on and live in and all their dreams and all taken away and then their families absolutely devastating and that texture is right we have had 10 people killed in uh, road collisions in the last week including the four young men in County Donegal it's prompted Chief, Chief Superintendent Finbar Murphy of the Garda National Roads Policing Bureau appealing to the public to be extra vigilant particularly during the dark evenings he's also told motorists that Garda will continue to target the offences which contribute most significantly to road traffic collisions and that in particular as this listeners highlighting is drink driving and speeding. To date in 2019, 634 drivers have been arrested for driving under the influence of either alcohol and or drugs. Three were arrested for drug driving offences and that was just a one checkpoint in Cavan just in the last week. 2.9 million motorists were monitored by the safety camera network so far this year. That's just, and we're not even at the end of January yet 9,343 have been detected speeding and Chief Superintendent Murphy said there is no place on our roads for people who do not comply with legislation. He said these people are putting not only their own lives at risk but also the lives of all other road users and improve policing measures were credited with helping to reduce the death toll on our roads for last year 2018 with 149 fatalities. 149 too many I have to say but it was the lowest total in record and God help us if we keep going the way we're going with the number of road fatalities that we had this week that record is going to be blown out of the water unfortunately so drive with care uh, please Uh, 
Uh, hi, Patricia. How, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I'm thinking that this is a case, this is the Clancy Amendment. This is a case of a devastating story making for bad law. The Clancy Amendment has an awful effect on all of our young people. We all have to learn to drive. You make the point, nobody raised the issue of unaccompanied learner drivers during the debates. Well, yes, they did. A lot of the rural TDs raised uh, the issues. And they did all of the, I mean, the Healy Ways were uh, heavily involved. Michael Collins in West Cork, um, Matthew McGrath in Tipperary, a lot of the rural, the rural independent uh, TDs raised uh, issues. You, you are right about the Clancy Amendment. Someone else as well about unqualified tractor drivers out on our roads. Another texter says, I totally agree with Mary, one of your previous callers. Once they pass their test, they get an N plate. That N plate shouldn't, should, shouldn't stand for novice. It should stand for no uh, sense. Hi, Patricia. Mr Clancy on that ad is absolutely heartbroken. The lady involved will live with this for the rest of her life. But this is actually a historical issue in this country. Where else can you do your driving test, fail it and drive home again? Nowhere. And that's why the rules and regulations were changed because you were allowed to do that in this uh, country. Is there any mention, says another texter, of the conditions of our rural roads and the lack of maintenance? How much of that is attributing to road accidents and deaths? Sandy says the learner driver instructors have dual controls, do not have to wear or aren't legally obliged to wear a seatbelt due to the need to intervene in case of an emergency while teaching the young person to drive. It's recognised that otherwise they will be restricted and unable to take effective action. Learners get 12, must have 12 compulsory driving lessons and are far better prepared to cope. An accompanying driver is of no safety value retaking action. Should learners have dual control cars only, ponders uh, Sandy. And Patricia, I know it's tough on Noel Clancy, but that poor girl has a bigger sentence. That's from Mary. Uh, Reg says there are a lot of different ways to make awareness of road safety, but I, like many others, I don't like this particular ad. I'm not a learner driver, by the way, says Reg. I'm actually at the other end of the scale. I'm a senior uh, citizen. And John says all those fatal crashes are disturbing. How come we never hear of the cause? Bad driving, bad road conditions, drinks, suspicious suicides all seem to be swept under the carpet in this country, says um, John. And just on a couple of other issues on phones that we spoke about earlier when it came to phones in our schools, Tony says, Hi Trish, we should ban phones in our workplace. There's a lot less work goes on because people are on their mobile phones. So if other people notice that when they're at work, that were people checking their mobile phones constantly, that people are doing less work now than they did before smartphones were invented. And hi Patricia, I was taking my child to school this morning and there were new bollards outside Noel C. Duggins in Mill Street and a truck hit one of them and it sprung back and narrowly missed my car. Who would have to have paid if that truck had hit my car? Well, I'm assuming the tr- it would be the truck driver. I don't know what those bollards are about because someone else was on. Did I see another text in about that as well? I'm sure there was another text in saying there was bollards. I don't quite know what these new bollards are. Someone else says the bollards are out on the road outside of Nolsey Doggan in Mill Street. This is a very dangerous move said uh, someone. We'll try and look into that. I don't quite know what these bollards are. Are they a permanent? Are they temporary? 
not quite sure. 1850-333-103, lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, a presentation on speech disorders and communication and language difficulties will be delivered by Elaine Baldwin, who's a senior speech and language therapist at Sensation and Kids in Clonakilty. And that's happening tomorrow, Wednesday at half past six. To book a free place, please phone 023-887-8208. The Gwaleskull Muscari there in Blarney, they're holding an open evening for parents. It's happening this Thursday between 6pm and 8pm. It is giving parents the opportunity to meet with teachers, parents and pupils. A senior social will be held in Donorail Golf Club next Sunday from 1pm to book your place. Please call 086 355 2301. While Mount Mellory Community Dancers, they're holding a Valentine's dance at the Capaquin Community Centre. It's on this Friday, which is the 1st of February from 8pm. Music by Michael Collins and Mad Mike. And refreshments will be served. And an anniversary mass for Little Nelly of Holy God will be held this Saturday, 2nd of February, 4 o'clock. It's in the Church of the Resurrection in Farnry in Cork City. All are welcome. Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now I want to go to the phone lines where Bernard joins me from the city. Good afternoon to you, Bernard. Good afternoon. Now you hit a pothole in Bandon that we spoke about on the programme. Where was the pothole? Um, we had just left Bandon and it was, uh, there's a cafe, there's a service station as you go towards Cork on your right. Yeah. And there's a, a, a big cafe, a breakfast place or something. There is indeed, yeah. Just beyond that, just bend inside of the one kilometre, uh, one hundred kilometre sign on the left hand side. There were two. So actually, I went back yesterday the other day to take photographs of it. You couldn't miss it. I, I it blew. I knew straight away. I walked in the morning. I knew my wheel was gone. So I got into the lift. It was dark. It was raining. It was about quarter five forty-five in the evening. No, oh, and I turned around eventually because the traffic going to Bandon was bumper to bumper at that time. People coming home from work, I presume. So I pulled back into it between the, the, the cafe and the other place and it was, <laughs> I said it was kind of hilarious to be looking at me trying to change the wheel but my wife and I are in her 70s, she's holding my phone with it to make the torch or the torch part of it work and I did manage to change the wheel and I was tempted to be honest with you Patricia to go to the Gardaí and just let it, because this thing was it was deadly, it was like I, I was confident even before I heard anything about your programme that I couldn't have been the only one that was hitting it. Yeah, but yeah, we, we got a number of road and that's in the all there all busted up so it was a deep it was a deep it was a deep pothole it was there was yeah. a huge bang in fact when I was uh, when, when I did get onto the council I spoke to a very nice lady and I was surprised to be honest as I said that the only damage to my car and I, I did work in the water trade I worked as an assessor and I was working in Kevin O'Leary's and Bandit for a number of years and the only damage was the tyre the, the wheel was okay and the suspension was okay got it. I'd say you got a bit of a fright did you when you hit it <laughs> Yeah. I thought the thing was, I, really, I was amazed that it kept on rolling. I thought that, uh, and of course it was grumbling then because the the the, the, tea, the the wheel deflated straight away. It was blown completely out, you know, the tyre stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. But, but and you, you, in that stretch of road, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been driving very fast. Oh, no, I wasn't. No, I, again, 
driving there, I suppose, it's an age thing with me at this stage. I certainly wasn't driving fast. And I think that, again, that was my concern that if somebody maybe more, it would better driving skills than I have at this age, we're, we're going faster. Like, like this thing was so deep, and I didn't see it now because it was pitch dark. And when mm. I went back to take the photographs, it had been filled in. But like effectively, it could nearly cause a car to turn over. It was you, you, and it was there were two of them. They were doing, the, and you could like effectively, you, you just no. I, I changed my wheel and I went back to past the spot where it was, but I was aware of it this time, obviously, and I stayed over a bit towards the centre line. I may even have encroached on, on the other line to get just to get past it, you know? Did you take a photograph of it there and then that that evening that it happened? I didn't, to be honest. You didn't, no. I was soaking. Well, well, it was raining and I kind of, uh, sort of uh, I, well, we, you know, kind of, we, there was no great hope and, like, thankfully, none of, none of us were injured. Yeah. And the, the fact that I didn't see anyone on the scene was surprising in terms of other motors because I couldn't understand how yeah, anyone could miss it, to be honest, I'd say for every one that passed it, uh, I would have thought that it would be one strike it, but that, maybe that's not the case. They, I, they, I take it, in fact, I was out socialising on, on, on uh, Thursday night and it was then somebody mentioned that there was something on the radio about this yeah. and I rang your uh, 96FM thinking to them and they didn't seem to know so uh, ultimately then they, no, it was on the Series of eliminations, you worked out it was us. And and so so you got the tyre replaced, what's that, 70 euro? Did I? 70 euro, yeah, that's what I paid. And okay, I, so you got on to the... Ca- on, I got a form from the county hall I spoke yeah. to a very uh, uh, helpful lady I think it was Norma somebody and she sent me out the form as she said she would and I uh, felt alert to the, to the questionnaire and like I found some of the questions it's a bit strange to be honest about the, the NCT and road tax and I thought oh, the county council turning into the Gardaí or whatever but in any event anyway, uh, she sent me the form no I, I have no guarantee that I'm going to get it because no. she said it's going to be assessed and they'll make a decision as to whether I'll recover my loss or not Did they ask for photographic evidence? They did and I went back but I, like, I, was, I was certain that it was going to be filled in because I, cause they couldn't have left it go any long much even beyond the time that I struck it I presume it was like that for the night because it was pitch dark the workmen were gone yeah. But, um, like I, 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 I was certain that would have been filled in. So I actually suggested that. Or as she said, it, it would be, if I could just take a photograph of it and try and try and uh, kind of something to identify the location. So on one of the photographs, I made sure that I got the hundred kilometre. Yeah, yeah, and they'll be they'll be well aware of that particular pothole because they would have had. You were not the only person. I think at one stage when we got a call, there had been three people that morning right. who had who were all pulled in changing tires. So yeah, well, yeah that was daytime. That definitely was daytime. It was happening. So, oh. and it must have got filled in then the following morning. They couldn't have gone out that night. So, it must have been early the following morning. What day did you? Did you? It was Wednesday. 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 Have you a lovely spot to go for lunch? Have you ever um, done this before? Gone to the council looking for? I haven't. To be no. honest. Patricia, but like in, in relation to my work, I was often against the county council. No, not locally. Some of the instructions I would be getting were from a uh, firm of solicitors, Limerick, Tipperary, that, that that region. So I was I was in uh, like a lot of these things were settled. I, I, like there was one that sadly it was in a, a fatal accident, and it never went to trial after the council admitted responsibility. That was about gravel or something on the road. I, I just, just, I, like as I said, I'm in my mid seventies now, so I'm retired a while. So look, but personally, I never had uh, an issue with it. Now again, where I'm living, I know a little back road near the airport there we've had our uh, kind of issues with potholes over the years but to be fair the, the, the council do come along they have a contractor and they're, they're regularly inspected now I, I live in a road just behind the Bull McCaves pub as you go up towards the airport there Oh yeah I know it I know it but, but the 
I don't know. We go through stages here on the programme where people will start ringing in and, and last week was just happened to be one of the weeks where we seem to be getting really bad reports right. of potholes. And I know it's down to weather and if you get a bad... I mean, we've this freezing weather now we're having over the next few days and the wintry showers, that's going to wreck roads. You know, if there's any way, if the roads are any way dodgy, we're going to have huge potholes next week, guaranteed. Yeah. In fact, going the other direction, one occasion it happened to me again, but it was, it was minor. It was just a bit of a bang and I thought the tyre was probably gone, but when I checked it wasn't. It was actually just as you approached the roundabout by Kevin O'Leary's garage there, just the city side of that. And uh, like, but again, there's the, those, the walks are going on for a long time, so I suppose. But I like for the life of me, I, I, I like this thing. As I say, I can't. I wouldn't have been surprised to have heard that somebody maybe turned the car over and this thing was so deep. You know? Yeah. Okay. You know? All right. Let us know how you get on. I we just need to get your seventy euro back. No problem. Thanks for that. That is from uh, Bernard in the city who hit that potter as we spoke about it just outside uh, Bandon last week. I would also love to hear from anybody else if they have applied like what Bernard has done and got onto the council to get the cost of your repairs back because at the end of the day the 70 euro that Bernard had to pay out it wasn't his fault he hit a pothole it was pitch dark there was no way he could have seen it Heidi says morning Patricia those potholes cause so many problems also they must be driven over by council workers it is not good enough we need to have those potholes filled in ASAP Uh, Micah says Patricia advertisements don't make our roads safer, proper maintenance and structural work on an updated basis is what, may, is, what makes ro- is what will make roads safer. Yes, it is the responsibility of the County Council and the Government of the day who are controlled by the people whom we elect. Look at the massive sum of money we pay in motor taxation. We are not getting value for our money from the clients who are spending it. And that is from Michael in uh, Castletown Bear. OK, 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break and I am back talking with Joe Heffernan after this. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Just one quick, um, I still see lots of texts coming in, but lots of people are making the same points. I'm not ignoring your texts, it's just the points that have been made already and I just want to, I don't want to keep going over and over and over uh, the very same points. But uh, somebody has, makes a point about the driving test and we are hoping tomorrow to look at driving tests and what we can do about the delay with getting a driving test for a learner driver. Uh, Donald from the city says, can I make a point about the driving test? 50% of all learner drivers fail their test at the moment. Why is that? What are the instructors doing? Every learner now has to complete a series of lessons, 12 lessons. They need to do it with a registered driver. That was never in place before. Uh, Yet we're making them, we're forcing learner drivers to do all these lessons and additional driving lessons and yet they're not passing. Why is this in place? It appears to me that when learner drivers were being taught at home, when Mammy and Daddy were the driving instructor, that we didn't have as high a failure rate. Yeah, I know that the failure rate is at 50%. I don't know what it was, say, previous to the 12 
lessons coming in. We might try and look into that and see if we can get uh, figures on that. But thank you, Donald, for your text to 0862 103 103. Joe Heffernan uh, joins us on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And we are discussing and asking the question, have you an addictive personality Uh, and you're asking the question is because it's hard to know is it a habit is it a hobby or is it an addiction they're three very different things yeah and like what would predispose one to addiction like what would you look out for even say now in adolescence um right um there's often a combination between we'll say adhd and addiction um and the the thing in the ADHD, the the aspect of it that would predispose one to addiction um, would be impulsivity, impulsive behaviour. Um, it's like, I suppose, in the adolescent years, um, from we'll say twelve on, um, people want uh, the what they want, they want it now. Um, in other words, like the present um, impulse uh, for a behaviour might not take into account the consequences of that behaviour. They don't see the bigger picture. Like um, uh, what, what, what comes later isn't as important at all as right now. So a person who lacks a bit of patience a person who would say um, uh, that that they would have trained themselves or uh, their way of life uh, in adolescence would always be um, the impulsive route. Um, the if I see it, I want it. Um, if I am feeling bad, I want to feel good now. In other words, like a kind of a tolerance or an acceptance that life isn't always flying um, would be um, would be an indicator. Now, I know we all can be a bit impulsive. I mean, um, if I'm trying to eat a bit more healthily and I pass a bowl of uh, sweets or biscuits, yeah. the hand will go out and I'll take one and there's my impulsive act. Um, and very, very often, um, the pleasure that's got from that, um, in that very moment, outweighs the consequences. And maybe feeling bad 10 minutes later because one has, as it were, broken out. Um, so it's the ability to to stay um, uh We'll say that the um, the 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 pleasure, um, uh, the dopamine, the um, the neurotransmitters in the brain that uh, that give us that, that are what we'll call the the pleasure um, uh, chemicals, um, very tempting uh, to to turn uh, to turn them on, and the problem with many then is that. Um, when we'll say the new hobby or the new uh, this or the new that uh, wears off a bit, well, then there's a seeking of further um, pleasurable feelings. Um, and uh, if that's to do with um, 
a behavior or a substance that can cause addiction, well, then one is open to it. Yeah, it's like when you, when I would have over the years interviewed, you know, somebody who was battling a gambling addiction and they would talk about that, the buzz they got on the first win and then almost like it's chasing that. Yeah, yeah, like in Declan Lynch's book, Tony 10, I mean, the first win, I think, was 45 euro um, on a one euro bet or something like that. And it finished up with 10 million and it finished up with Tony doing three years in jail. Um, Yeah. it's it's a very, very entertaining and interesting read. But I actually, and I didn't get to it, I, I, I don't know if I'll get to it today, somebody was asking yesterday about scratch cards and lottery um, tickets and there had been a secret shopper done by the National Lottery because you're, n- you're not allowed to sell scratch cards to under 18 so they sent a secret shopper in. Mm-hmm. I think 38% of lottery agents were caught selling to, to under 18s but it led to a discussion of people saying can you get addicted to those lottery cards? And, and, you, well, and you absolutely can. Absolutely, without question. I mean, some of the um, addictions that one would hear about in the beginning of hearing about them, you'd say, really, can that be? Um, for example, the one-armed bandits. Um, slot machines. Slot machines. Yeah. Like, for many people, um, uh, they'd say, what? Like, all day long, um, putting money into this slot machine and pulling the handle down and... Um, and uh, and that you can become addicted to it. A lot of people would feel, ah, gee, I don't know about that. But it's true. Yeah. Um, and I believe now in England that the, um, what do they call them? I think it's fixed odds. Um, uh, there's some particular name, anyway, machines um, in, in bookies' offices, in bookies' shops. Um, you know, you could put in £100. Imagine, like, I mean, people have, and uh, there was a story I read in, was it last Sunday's Independent, um, of a, a, a family talking about, um, a mother and father talking about a son who had taken his own life, and apparently it was these um, uh, fixed odds machines, in other words, um, whatever you'd call them, um, let's call them slot machines, but kind of ones that you could put in £100 sterling. And again, and again, and again, £100 selling in the hopes of a big, big win. Now, apparently in England, um, in the last, in the very recent past, the, the limit has been reduced by law to £2. But apparently in Northern Ireland, that rule hasn't changed yet. So it can still be £100 selling. Now, I mean, doors to the ordinary person, um, the ordinary Joe on the street, um, that's huge money. Um, but apparently, on, on with much less kind of uh, um, money being pumped into the machines, the one-armed bandits, yes, people have finished up, um, thankfully, in Gamblers Anonymous, and their main... Uh, source of gambling was the the one-armed bandits. Yeah, I, and I heard Joe Duffy last week talking when they were dealing with gambling, talking about virtual racing at the bookies, where you're, it's like cartoon racing. Yeah, it's like if there isn't any race meeting on. Oh, we'll say now if the snow that we're due um, are the race And like cancelled race meetings. Yeah, yeah. Well, then you'd have race meetings where these... Um, 
They're virtual ones. V- virtual horses Unreal. are trotting along and um, and just like an ordinary race, you can bet on... on it's, uh, it's like, on, the, you on, know, the way people the... would jokingly say in the past, I should, he'd bet on two flies going up a wall. It's almost on par with that that you can well, do. Well, you know what? I think the flies going up a wall could be better because that would be totally unpredictable. I know. Whereas I'm quite sure that um, if there's a whole heap of money on... Well, no, this is just me being suspicious... But if there's a whole heap of money on one of the virtual horses, I bet you there's someone with a keyboard. Can um, make it, can make the second horse come in first. I yeah, think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. OK, other traits then to look out for for somebody with an addictive uh, personality. I mean, m- mood swings and, and negative self, self-worth. Because when people are in the throes of addiction, they don't like themselves. No, no. But you see, the person mightn't like themselves before they ever start in to um, the, 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 the addictive substance or behaviour. And uh, this then gives a bit of a lift, as we say. The, um, the, the, the pleasure um, uh, chemicals in the brain are activated, and that's very nice. So um, a person then, you see, I often think that addiction is um, an inappropriate way of trying to control um, mood and like let's face it we're all just subject to moods I mean if we had an A and B button we'd press happy button every day and mm. we'd be grand but I think with addiction um, there's a kind of an available the A or B button um, by the behaviour or the substance so we go for that so as that the um, uh, you know the 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 happy uh, chemicals will be uh, energised and we feel a little, well, maybe a lot, better. But you see, the the thing about it is that when you take the long-term view, which you see again comes back to the impulsivity, which I think is the biggest danger, um, uh, people don't take the, the long-term view. Like, how will this work out? Will this be good for me? Um, for example, I have personal goals, we'll say. I'm in secondary school. I want to go to college. Um, but that's all kind of in the future. But right now, I can smoke weed or whatever, and I can feel a little bit more relaxed uh, for the day. That's another thing that comes into it. A lot of young people would suffer, I suppose we all do to some extent, from social anxiety, maybe even as far as a feeling of alienation. And um, a person can get very comfortable with him or herself uh, with this um, behaviour or substance. And, uh, and of course, um, addiction tends to be a very lonely place. Um, and even that very thing, like feeling lonely. We'll say now a young person goes to Dublin to college and, uh, you know, they, they, their friends are back at home People are gone to different colleges, all of that. Feelings of loneliness and, um, you know, wanting to feel a little bit more confident, a little bit better. So these are all the kind of um, things where one is not looking ahead, where one is not looking at, at consequences. And so the increased dopamine in the brain, uh, the pleasure chemical, uh, is sought after um, to alleviate, as it were, the stresses of life. Okay, and and finally, 
Does addiction and a history of addiction, does it run in families? Yes, and apparently we're only starting to really, really, really understand all about genetics and DNA and all of that. Because um, I know certainly with alcohol, if you, if you speak with a recovering alcoholic, they will talk about that, that they have concerns that, you know, one of their children um, might become an alcoholic because they believe that there's a genetic predisposition. So I take it it's the same across the board with all different types of addiction. I suppose so. But the one that you mentioned, the alcohol one, I mean, we've we've vast proof of that. Um you know, if a person, uh, I'd be talking to many a person who would say, yeah, my uncle um, was um, was an alcoholic. Um, my grandfather, um, I believe, was a terrible man for the booze. And, you know, and, and it does seem to, to run in families. Now, more than likely, with all the research that's going on and with all the imaging that's there now, to do with um, MRI and all of that, and even more sophisticated um, imaging, uh, that, yeah, more than likely, there'll be some little X or Y chromosome found somewhere in the brain. So people just need to be aware of that if if, if you have a history. Now, before we let you go, you want to give a plug for a golf classic that you are involved with for the wonderful Sister Concilia. Yes, and talking about addiction... Um, I mean, Coenvira provides um, residential detoxification and treatment for alcohol, drug and other addictions. And they're running a golf classic in conjunction with the J.P. McManus Pro-Am 2020. But this is on, on the 14th and 15th of June 2019 in Charleville Golf Club. Now, it's... Um, What's being sought is uh, 300 from a sponsor uh, for either just the sponsorship or a team of three, or if some um, wealthy individual decided to put in a lot more for sponsorship, it would be more than welcome. And 100 euro sponsors a tea box. And um, if people want to put in a team, they can phone Sister Agnes on 063. 90555. Now, that's brewery itself. Coenvira is the name I should be saying. Coenvira. And uh, I'll indeed contact myself or Mary uh, on the home number 76132 or 276132. Okay, but we're, give, we're giving you advance notice of it because it's Charleville Golf Club and it is June 14th and 15th. Yeah. When, please God, the sun will be shining and we won't have a bitterly cold day like we <laughs> have today. Yeah. Okay, all right. And we will remind uh, listeners of that again closer to the time. Good luck with that and well done for getting Thanks. involved. I know you do great work uh, and you are a big fan of Sister Concilia and the rest of the gang at uh, Coonvira. Yeah. But thank you for joining us. Have a good week. And the same. And we'll chat again next week. Joe Heffernan, you can contact Joe at 029 That's where I have to leave you for today. Thank you to huge, huge amount of people who interacted with us on the programme today. Apologies if we didn't get around uh, to your texts or your WhatsApps and multi- or your emails, but we promise when we go off air, every single one of them will be read and uh, we'll bring a selection of them uh, to you uh, tomorrow. But, you know, really, and particularly with what most people are texting and uh, contacting us about today, and that is the the RSA ad featuring No Clancy. There are no winners or losers in, in that story. That's uh, for sure. And people having sympathies with everybody in, in, involved. It's just no winners, no losers. Um, 
the thanks to John Paul who worked on the programme uh, today Nick is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock with a reminder that that status yellow snow ice weather warning for the entire country remains in place it went in it it was issued this morning at 6 o'clock and it stays in place until this coming Saturday at 6 in the evening so it, it remains in place all day Saturday as well so be very careful if you're out and about driving particularly in the early hours of the morning you can expect icy stretches on the roads look after yourself and each other until tomorrow morning at uh, 10 I'm Patricia Messenger good afternoon Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy Terms and conditions apply see site for details When it comes to your finances you think you've done it all you've saved you've researched and you've invested all that you can Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor Yahoo Finance as America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.